Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And welcome to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Aha, happy Monday, Mr. Cage. How's it going, sir? Happy Monday, Kentucky Guy. It's going well. Good, 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 good. Glad to hear that. Uh, so if this is your first time listening to us, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. We are on all major platforms including Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, Google, and the list, Spotify, and the list goes on and on. Also, Donnie Cage has his, he's a co-host of another podcast as well. Sir, go ahead and tell them about that. Yes, if you'd also like to follow my other podcast, it is called the Uncaged Voice Podcast. We typically stream live on Twitch, but we also post the episodes on the official YouTube channel as well. It is myself, Top Tier Brian, and Jigsaw Jester. And for all of you that are interested in today's world news, politics, geopolitical, political, economical collapse news, uh, you can always listen to the other show that I host. Uh, It is the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Uh, I was actually on the Jesus Initiative show yesterday, and uh, Mrs. Cunningham will be joining our show uh, this Saturday, so I'm looking forward to having her back on the show. Uh, she'll be talking about all about her conference that she has coming on. Uh, ooh, let's see, she's putting it on the 24th through the 27th, I believe, of this month. I know I signed up for it to help her out. Uh, very, very lovely lady, and uh, yeah, she's doing good things, very positive. Uh, but don't forget, we do drop episodes there, also on every Wednesday and Saturday. Here we drop new episodes every Monday and Friday. Uh, if you ever would like to be a guest on this show or you have a question for Donnie or myself, you can always reach us at OLKentucky99 at Yahoo.com. That's OLKentucky spelled out, 99 at Yahoo.com. All right, so let's get into it. A lot of things going on in the rest of the world. Before we go into it, though, we like to do a little segment called the Fantasy Booking and I uh, always have Mr. Cage. He's the one to come up with this idea, so I always let him lead us off. So it's all up to you, sir. Fantasy booking. Thank you, sir. Well, this week I'd like to start out <clears throat> excuse me, by uh, talking about one of my, uh, one, honestly, one of my favorite wrestlers. I don't talk about him that much on the show because he's not really an active wrestler anymore, but he does work behind the scenes. Um, so I want to take you back to the year 2009, and this was in TNA Wrestling which is now, of course, called Impact Wrestling. And there was a big 
feud going on for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. AJ Styles was the champion at the time, and he was feuding a little bit with Samoa Joe and one of his former tag team partners and longtime rivals, Christopher Daniels. And I remember going into this feud when it started up again, I thought, first of all, this is great that they're reigniting this feud because these three tore the house down with their matches for the X Division title a couple of years earlier. But then they feuded briefly for the TNA World title. And they had the one uh, triple threat match at Genesis in November of that year. AJ Styles retained the title. And then there was a singles match between Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles for the TNA World Heavyweight title at Final Resolution, which AJ Styles would win. And I am a big AJ Styles fan. Even to this day, I absolutely think he's probably the biggest star in the history of TNA wrestling. But in this particular instance, I did not agree with the booking decision because I felt out of those three guys, Christopher Daniels is the only one who hasn't been TNA World Heavyweight Champion. And even if it was just for a couple of short months, I felt like he had paid his dues and he absolutely 100% should have captured the title. He, you know, he's a great worker, cuts a great promo, and he's, he's just had so many classic feuds in his career. And I absolutely think they should have put the belt on him just for a couple of months. And honestly, if AJ was the guy to take the belt off of him going into the new year, that would have been perfectly fine with me. But I just felt like he deserved this little bit of a push that, you know, for all of his loyalty he had shown to TNA for so many years. So I think this is a little bit of a booking mistake. And if I had been in charge at the time, I would have booked it differently. Wow. So Christopher Daniels, uh, it's amazing that you, that you mentioned him because uh, in Ring of Honor, uh, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. I did watch him a little bit in TNA. Um, I've watched him a whole lot in AEW. And uh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think you're spot on there. I actually think, uh, Mr. Cage, you've got pretty good... Uh, Pace this week, uh, saying that uh, he's one of your favorite wrestlers. <laughs> Christopher Daniels, uh, a fallen angel, uh, I've always been a fan of. Yeah, extreme, extremely underrated worker, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, 100%. All right, so um, my pick uh, this for this episode uh, is actually a former wrestler also. He's no longer wrestling. He's actually passed away uh in his name you know him by many mr perfect uh kurt hennings uh mr perfection he is and i'm going to talk a little bit about how i think the wwe did a fantastic job with him in his first run but i just think that the wcw when he was there for the short time really missed a golden opportunity so let's talk about it. When he came to WCW uh, in August of that year, in 1997, uh, he actually took Arn Anderson, brought him out to the ring, and he took Arn Anderson's spot. A lot of you guys remember that because the NWO made fun of it, my spot, my dog spot, what have you. But before joining the Four Horsemen, in case you didn't realize, he had been there quite a few months, and Eric Bischoff could not, he was just floundering, could not do anything with Mr. Perfect. 
Now, I know he couldn't use the Mr. Perfect name because that was trademarked by WWE, but it was still Kurt Hennings. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had already been two-time Intercontinental Champion. Uh, he was the WWE Tag Champion before. This is before he came there. Uh, not to mention, he was World Champion in a couple other promotions by then as well uh, before coming to WWE. And they couldn't find anything for him? Uh, I, it made zero sense. So anyways... He takes Arn Anderson's spot. He accepts the position of uh, becoming a four horseman. One month, one month, he is in the fall brawl match. Uh, him, Flair, Benoit, Mongo McMichaels, they they fought in a war games match at fall brawl against the NWO, which was uh, their team was Kevin Nash, uh, Six, Conan, and uh, Marcus Bagwell. Yeah. So it had been announced before the match that, and it showed uh, the uh, NWO leaving his dressing room that they attacked Hennings, Hurt Hennings, and uh, broke his arm. And he did not report at the beginning of the cage match that's in two rings, for those of you that are unfamiliar with war games. But he did come later on in the match. And uh, the horseman went on with the match, just three on four, Already at a disadvantage. Hennings comes out, his arms in a sling, in a series of different actions. Uh, he throws the sling on the ground, and he ends up knocking Chris Benoit on the ground as well. Then he brings out two handcuffs. And right then and there, they handcuff McMichael and Benoit. And they the, these, the <laughs> these four men, uh, Kevin Nash, Six, Conan, Marcus Bagwell and these five men and Mr. Perfect begin to beat the mortal crap out of Ric Flair. I mean, they really lay it to him. He's all bloody. He will not give up. And finally, Mongo McMichael, he throws the towel in. He gives up in the four in the NWO win, right? So a month, one month, and he's turned his back on the four horsemen. The very next night, he has a match with uh, Mongolsman Michael, who's the current U United States champion, and he wins the belt. Kurt Angle wins the belt, but he drops it just a month later to DDP. So here's why I'm talking about this and wanted to go over this history. My question is, and why I would have booked this different, is because if Kurt Angle, or Kurt Angle, <laughs> Kurt Hennings would have stayed a horseman would that not have only given clout to that group who desperately needed it? And would that not have helped the ever-dying company? The NWO was too big, and people were already getting sick of it. It wasn't very long after this match in this pay-per-view that they actually split into the two groups, uh, becoming the Wolfpack led by Nash and Hogan's uh, black and white NWO. But if they would have kept him on the horseman, he could have potentially even feuded with Ric Flair over because they had a heck of a feud uh, after this and in WWE years later. Uh, he could have had a heck of a feud with Ric Flair um, over who's the leader of the horsemen. And this guy, and you talk about underrated, okay? Let, let's, let's talk a little bit about his title ranks, right? So he was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. He was the AWA World Tag Team. By the way, he started his career, I believe, 
if I'm not mistaken, in, in 86. And uh, as we all know, he passed away in uh, early 2000s. Uh, so he done all this before then. Uh, he was the tag team champion with Scott Hall in AWA. He was the FOW heavyweight champion, uh, I-Generation heavyweight champion, the MECW heavyweight champion, uh, man, Pacific Northwest heavyweight champion. These are heavyweight world championship titles, by the way. Uh, he was the, uh, also the Pacific tag team champions three different times. Once with his father, Larry Hennings, uh, once with Buddy Rose and once with, uh, Pac McGee. He was WCW, as I mentioned, the United States champion that he only held for a month. And him and, uh, Barry Windham actually went on after, uh, he was kicked out of the NWO. They went on to win the world, uh, championship, uh, tag team titles in WCW. That did not last, uh, I think it was shorter than his month reign as, uh, the United States champion. This is, this tells you all this points to. Also, he won the Intercontinental title twice, uh, and he, uh, and he won the Universal Heavyweight Championship for WW, uh, WWC. Never heard of them. No, no. But anyways, he, this is a, this is why WCW went out of business. Having talent like this, Remember, this is 98, 97, and this the guy's in his prime, right? I mean, even though he left uh, WWE, he was, he was removed because of injury, uh, he still could go. And to mess up a golden opportunity like that, I think it was horrible booking, and I think it's one of, not the only, but one of the daggers that killed what we used to know and love WCW. Your thoughts? I agree with every, everything you said. And, you know, keep in mind, there was a point in time where I was a bigger fan of the WCW product than the WWF product, especially from 96 to about like early 98. And I remember when they brought Kurt Henning in and when he was first asked to join the Horsemen, the thing I thought in the back of my mind is, dear God, do not tell me they're going to do the obvious thing and make him betray the horsemen and become a member of the NWO. What did they do? A month later, they made the obvious decision. And I agree with you 100% that if they hadn't gone the obvious route, if they had made him stay loyal to the four horsemen and to WCW, it would have made for a much better storyline. You could have dragged it out for months. Eventually, he and he and Ric Flair could have feuded over leadership of the horsemen, which would have been a much more compelling feud than simply NWO versus WCW again. And the fact is, regardless of whether he was 100% or not, Kurt Henning could put on a better match than most guys can put on when they are at 110%. He was that good of a performer. And I 100% agree that WCW misused him. Yep, yep. That was... uh... Uh, that was on their way down, man. Uh, it really was. And I'm like you. Uh, I was a huge, when it, the Outsiders first came to WCW, that's all I wanted to watch. I just wanted to see what happened next. So in that time frame, you're absolutely right. I was a huge uh, Ric Flair and Horseman fan at that time. And then here comes Kevin Hall and Scott Nash. And you could not, there wasn't the internet, wasn't as popular back then. So you didn't know what was going on. You thought that they were actually, you know, there on behalf of Vince. 
And uh, it was exciting. That was, I think, personally, during that time on both programs, WWE or F or whatever you want to call it at that time, and WCW, uh, that was probably the greatest era of wrestling I've ever lived through. So, yeah, I agree, 100%. I was a huge WCW fan. I hated the day that Vince said he bought it. I did. Uh, the only thing that gave me a little hope was uh, Shane McMahon, but in the back of my mind, I knew that Shane McMahon really owned it. I knew when they did that first episode of uh, the, the relaunched Nitro, or, or, or that first match, I should say, I knew, wow, WCW really is dead. <laughs> yeah, as soon as Vince McMahon goes, I bought my competition, uh, I knew it was over with. So, uh, Okay, so I have to make uh, uh, be honest with you folks listening in. Uh, Rampage uh, this week did not beat SmackDown. I actually thought SmackDown was better. I'm going to start off with Rampage because that's the first one on my notes. Uh, did you have something, Nani? Oh, no. Keep, keep going. Sorry. It must have been radio frequency. I thought you said something. All right. So let's start off with the uh, the uh, Rampage results uh, from last week. Uh, AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Private Party uh, versus the Butcher and the Blade versus the Acclaimed uh, with uh, Billy Gunn. So the uh, Max Caster used the uh, arrival on the Butcher, and then uh, Caster finished him off uh, with the mic drop for the pin. Uh, it was a lackluster match, in, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not a fan of any of these any of these teams in this. Um, I, I just, uh, and as you all know, I didn't get a chance to watch it Friday like normal, but I, I did watch it on Saturday, and uh, I just. I just, I wasn't into it. Your thoughts? Well, I, again, I, I think I hinted in our last episode it was going to be a foregone conclusion. And when you take all the drama and suspense out of a match, that, that means you're not going to be invested in it from the very beginning. And because of the fact that Private Party and The Butcher and The Blade haven't been on TV that often, at least in recent months, I mean, everyone probably just assumed, well, the acclaim's going to going to retain here, right? And that's exactly what happened. So there, there was no drama. There were no stakes. Yeah, I agree. And maybe you're the one that ruined the match for me. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It, it just wasn't. It just wasn't a. I don't think. And I know some of you don't agree with this, but I don't think that the claim are championship material, and I think they continue to prove that. They're just not. There's no hype there whatsoever when they're in a match. Um, then we go backstage, right? And Lexi Nar is backstage with the firm. The gun club actually walk up and they insult FTR and say that they're going to leapfrog them and go straight for the AEW tag team titles. The reason why I bring this up is because once again, they're showing that ranking is out the window. The whole thing that this program, not this program, this company was based on. We're going to go by actual ranks, wins and losses matter. No, they don't. And they shouldn't say that anymore. And also backstage right after that. And the reason why I want to tie these two together, because you and I actually brought this up. Uh, we talked about it on the last episode. Uh, I couldn't remember her name and you told me her name. Uh, Lexi Nair was backstage interviewing uh, Jade uh, Cargill. 
Who did we say was the one person that didn't have to be new that could beat her and take her title? That's right. Vicky Guerrera interrupts her and brings Nyla Rose. And they step up and they challenge the undefeated champion. I cannot wait for that match. And I look for, that's the only person they got left to unseat her undefeated streak, in my opinion. Your thoughts, bro? Actually, I was going to comment on that. First of all, I think that's a really good move because Nyla Rose is one of the few you know, wrestlers in the women's division left to challenge Jay Cargill at this point. But did you notice that in that backstage segment, in addition to Vicky Guerrero being there and Nyla Rose being there, who cut the promo on Jade Cargill, you also had Marina Shafir there, and she kind of got in Jade Cargill's face for a split second, and it's almost like they were hinting that something might happen between those two at, at some point in time. So with that being said, I think this is a good direction to go for the time being, to at least give Jade Cargill an opponent who could realistically beat her. Will Nyla Rose end up doing it? I don't know, but at least there's a little bit of, uh, it's getting people speculating like, hey, could, could she be the one to finally end Jade's unbeaten streak? At least there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of doubt there. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you think about the rankings, like what uh, the gun club talked about, jumping over FTR? I'm glad you brought that up again. Um, I'm honestly sick of them even mentioning the ranking system at this point because it means nothing. If one tag team can say, well, we're just going to bypass these guys and we're going to challenge for the titles. Okay, great. Then let's just drop the ranking system altogether even though it, it was one of the few things that differentiated them from their competition in the beginning. Yeah, they're one and the same now. They're one, the only thing different with uh, AEW right now in the WWE is uh, you'll see blood on live TV with AEW. That's about it. I mean, they're, they're one and the same now. They're like a cookie-cutter copy of the WWE on everything they do now. Uh, we also have, uh, let's see, Moriarty applied the uh, Border City stretch to Del Sol, and uh, Del Sol actually tapped out. Um, that was one of those matches that uh, uh, I was kind of bored with. Uh, I did like Morrissey entering the ring and choke slamming uh, Del Sol. Uh, it shows a little bit of uh, unity there. Um, but Hangman Adam Page shows up. Uh, from uh, backstage and why he's doing an interview with uh, Evil Uno and Tin and he actually assists um, he gets involved so we're going to see a match I'm sure sooner or later between uh, Morrissey and Hangman Page uh, I, I think that's what they're building here even though Page is supposedly have a title shot coming up or, or a golden ticket or whatever it is uh, I think they're building, they're going the opposite way, which they should. He shouldn't be in the title picture against uh, Morrissey. I think that actually would be a pretty good match. They're two big boys, uh, both powerful, and uh, uh, I'm here for it. I'd like to see it. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's a fresh matchup. And I was actually kind of laughing. I had my microphone on mute, but I was kind of laughing when you said uh, Hangman Adam Page is going to get a world title shot. I'm like, 
That's cute. He's going to get a world title shot, even though I know he's a former AEW world champion. <laughs> what I mean is they kind of just pretty much like pushed him aside completely after he lost the title. He was a complete afterthought. Um, I feel kind of bad for Adam Page because he was in that world title picture for a while. They were building him up as the guy who was going to end Kenny Omega's reign. He did it, but then they didn't capitalize on it and make him feel like a big deal. It just... He just felt like uh, like he was a placeholder as the champion. Um, but yeah, I mean, a matchup between him and W. Morrissey, again, is a fresh matchup. It's something different. It's a way to hopefully put W. Morrissey over by beating a former AEW world champ. So I, I think it could be beneficial. Yeah, but the problem is I don't see them uh, putting Morrissey over, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> just the way... Just the way, just how screwed up <laughs> the creative is at AEW. I just don't see it. But uh, yeah, I, I'd love to see it happen. But yeah, and we'll talk more about it as the match gets closer when they finally announce it. Um, but you have during that interview as well, Evil Uno and the number 10 uh, actually stayed behind with uh, Lexi, who's interviewing them, and Jose, the assistant. And Andrade interrupt, interrupts the interview. Andrade actually challenges 10 to a match on next week's Rampage. And the stipulation of the match is if he beats 10, 10's going to uh, unmask, take his mask off. And if 10 beats Andrade, Andrade's going to leave the AEW. Okay, so pretty much we're going to see who uh, 10 is. Next week in Rampage, in my opinion. Uh, your thoughts? Well, that's a possibility. But, again, if you believe the rumors on the internet, Andrade hasn't been very happy in AEW as of late. He doesn't feel he's been utilized well, which, honestly, is the truth. Uh, could he potentially be another wrestler that wants to go back to WWE, especially now that there's been a change in leadership. Be interesting to see. Yeah, and I would I would totally buy that uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, absolutely, right? Because his wife's getting ready to come back, and she's in the WWE. Uh, he is not. He is, They have, you know, I thought when he came to the main roster from NXT that uh, Vince McMahon did a horrible job in booking him and promoting him. Uh, and he did, but Tony Khan has done a much worse job with this talent. This guy, uh, and, and you know, I don't know if I blame Tony Khan. They just have too many wrestlers. You only have so many belts and so much time on television. They just have too many wrestlers. Um, but Tony Khan made a very, very strong statement two weeks ago, uh, and I have we haven't got to talk about it yet, but he made the statement that no one is leaving that's still under contract. And uh, I think he's pretty serious about it. You have to remember one thing. Tony Khan's a businessman. And he didn't, nobody just handed him all the money he's made in business. So he knows, first of all, I think he takes it personally, if you read his uh, Twitter feeds, uh, when wrestlers want to leave his company to go to WWE, even though he's been scooping up all the WWE uh, talent as soon as their contract's over or if they let them go has been since he's been in business. 
he kind of takes it personally now. Oh, now Triple H here, and you want to jump ship again. Uh, so he made the statement. I think he's pretty serious. I read it from uh, Dave Meltzer. Uh, I read his report on Tony's statement that nobody else is leaving. Nobody's leaving unless their contract is over with. Andrade, unfortunately, I don't know if he's under if he signed a five-year deal, but he signed a heck of a deal, from my understanding. Uh, he's only been there maybe maybe two years. I don't think we're I think we're just over the year mark with him. Uh, so he's still got some time left. I think the shortest contract that Tony would assign him to uh, would be three years. So he's got some time. So I'm looking forward to seeing who's under the mask. Number 10, <laughs> just to be honest with you. Um, so let's move on to uh, Willow Nightingale. And she fought your girl, Jamie Hayter, uh, with Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel at ringside. Uh, Willow Nightingale made the ultimate mistake in 2022. And I've noticed this in AEW and in the WWE. And Impact now is following suit. Every time a female mainly, gets on the top rope. Somebody distracts them or pushes them off, and they lose the match. And that's exactly what happened. Britt Baker grabbed her leg. As the ref was distracted, Jamie smashes her with a short-arm lariat and pins her for the win. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad Jamie won. That's who I was rooting for. But uh, first of all, your thoughts on the match? And then second of all, do you see where I'm, uh, where I got this from? Every time they get on the top rope, somebody interferes. Uh, we see Bailey's faction doing it. I've seen it all over the place here lately. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's becoming really predictable. And I, I wish they would stop this trend because it's starting to basically spoil every single match outcome, regardless of which company you're watching. Um, I totally agree with this booking decision. I mean, why would you have Jamie Hayter lose this match? Forget about, you know, my personal feelings about her. I, I mean, she's way over than this Willow Nightingale, who I never honestly had heard of until about a week or two ago. Um, you know, Jamie's still paired up with Britt Baker. She's a big deal. She's probably going to challenge for the interim, again, I hate saying that word, interim AEW world title again in the near future, I'd have to imagine. Um, and why you would have her lose this match, I have no idea. Um, I had said before that I thought that they were booking an angle where Jamie was going to turn on Britt Baker, but I don't think it's going to be that simple. I think there's going to be, have to be something bigger that happens that would cause the two of them to split apart and feud with one another. And I think they're doing more of a slow burn approach with this, to be perfectly honest. And I, and I'm all, and I'm all for it. If that's the approach that they take. Yep. I tell you my scenario on this, I think it's going to, the shock factor and everything. I think it's going to be the other way around. I think Jamie Hader is going to uh, look like she's getting ready to beat Tony Storm when they do have that match. And Britt Baker is going to turn on her and cost her the match because she feels that she's the rightful champion. Uh, so they kind of, that would be a shock factor and that'd be turning it around. It wouldn't be expected. Your thoughts on that? That would actually be a welcome surprise. It, 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 like you just said, it would not be what you would expect normally. Everybody assumed Jamie Hayter would turn on Britt Baker, but if the opposite happens, it'd be a nice way to subvert expectations. Yeah, man, we should run a wrestling show, you know? <laughs> uh, so uh, then it goes off uh, from commercial. Uh, it shows the, this guy, I, I don't know him really, 
the Hollywood hunk, uh, Ryan Nemeth, was in the ring, and he starts to insult uh, your hometown, Philadelphia, and the fans. But here comes the FTW champ, Hook. Uh, looks like he's heard enough. Uh, fantastic the way he done this. I mean, he just, he didn't, he didn't play around. He didn't wave at the fans. He come in there and absolutely knocked the crap out of this guy uh, with a clothesline, and then he locked in uh, the red uh, the red rum and uh, choked him out. <laughs> got out of the ring, took his title with him, walked back to the dressing room. Here's the thing, though: when he was walking back, the Trustbusters placed an envelope on the ramp and slowly walked away. And Hook did pick it up before returning to the back. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, Hook needs a mouthpiece, I think. Uh, he's got all the other tools. Uh, so I don't think it'd be a bad thing uh, if this happened. But he does need a mouthpiece because evidently he is either shy on the mic or he doesn't feel he has the promo skills just yet or the company feels he's not ready to talk because he doesn't talk at all. So your thoughts on this? Well... I like that they're planting the seeds for a possible uh, alliance between Hook and the Trustbusters. I don't see them going in that direction personally. What I would love to see down the road, and I don't know when this will happen, but I would love to see a clash between Hook and Parker Boudreaux over the FTW title. I think that'd be a great match because they're both young, up-and-coming prospects, both who have, uh, you know, amateur wrestling backgrounds and all that stuff. So I think that would be a, a, a great spectacle for the fans to see. But um, I, I do agree that Hook could benefit from a mouthpiece. He doesn't get a lot of mic time. And I get that that's also part of his character right now and the uh, part of the appeal. But he does have to talk a little bit more to like endear the fans a bit more to him. Uh, but, but I love this segment. And fun fact, Ryan Nemeth, who you uh, mentioned, the Hollywood hunk, He's actually the younger brother of Dolph Ziggler. Oh, okay. Um, have you ever seen him wrestle? I, I've not. I've not seen him. I don't. He's. I'm not familiar with him. He competes on dark a lot, so I have not seen him wrestle that much. Gotcha. Okay. Because uh, I know uh, Dolph Ziggler is amazing. Uh, he was definitely amazing when he first started. Uh, so, hmm, interesting. I did not know that. Uh, so then we have uh, Dark Order's John Silver. Uh, he's accompanied by Alex Reynolds, I believe, uh, going against Rush, who, of course, is with uh, his uh, tag team partner, Andrade, and the assistant, Jose. Uh, Jose, during the match, jumps on the ring apron, but Reynolds uh, pulled him back down. Silver was distracted by Andrade, and Rush blindsided him uh, and finished him off with the bull's horn. Uh, pinning him for the victory. After the match, I think, was more interesting than the actual match. Uh, Andrade continued to attack Silver and uh, Reynolds after the match until Evil Uno and Ten sprinted down to the ring. Remember, they have a match next week, Andrade and Ten. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade then ran, runs down to help Andrade. I forgot they were even part of his organization. And then here comes Adam Page, who hurries down to the ring and blasts Jose with the buckshot lariat, uh, and uh, he's got his sights set on Rush. So, the next match, is it going to be, okay, 
sorry, it was made official that night. Tony Khan uh, made it official, and I think this is going to be a good match. I think it's going to end the wrong way, but it'll be Rush versus Hangman Adam Page. Rush, a former Ring of Honor champion, a former Impact champion, um, is not, uh, as you say, he's not being booked right on AEW at all whatsoever, in my opinion. And if he, if they use this guy to put over Hangman Adam Page, who does not need to be put over right now, but Rush does as a single competitor, if you want anybody to take this guy seriously, uh, I just think they're going to blow it with them. I do, like they have Andrade all along. Your thoughts? Well, the issue you run into there is by having these two guys wrestle. Hangman Adam Page just won the Battle Royal, and he's the technically the number one contender for the AEW world title. So to make him look strong, to look like a credible threat to John Moxley, you would have to have him you would have to have put him over. But at the same time, Rush was apparently just signed by AEW. So you want to make one of your new stars look like a big deal. So to me, I feel like this is one of those scenarios where one guy should win or lose by disqualification so that you protect the other man and they don't, and they don't look weak in defeat. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think Adam page could win a hundred matches in a row. And he would never look like an actual contender uh, when you put him up against John Moxley. That's just my opinion. Um, but I see what you're saying. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at Dynamite's match card uh, for this week. Uh, and they have actually quite a few matches already listed. Uh, MJF. Oh, this is their anniversary show, by the way, this week. Okay. I see why they got them. the matches are uh, listed early. Uh, so their anniversary show on Dynamite. Uh, this Wednesday, you have MJF versus Wheeler Yuta. Uh, and we'll, we'll do our predictions here in just a moment. Uh, Rush, as we just talked about, versus Hangman Page. Uh, Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal. Daniel Garcia, and, I, and by the way, I need to retract what I said on the previous episode. I was wrong about this. Um, and I, I guess I just misunderstood Chris Jericho on his podcast. But it's not Chris Jericho versus... Daniel Garcia one-on-one in Dynamite. Daniel Garcia is actually teaming up with Brian Danielson to go against Jericho and Sammy Guevara. So that's the actual match. And I apologize for getting that wrong. Uh, I don't know how I misheard that, but, you know, who knows? It happens. And then also Luchasaurus is supposed to be in action. It doesn't say who it's against. It's probably, you know, he, he's another Omos. <laughs> uh, probably... Uh, you know, a handicap match, and he's going to go out there and destroy two jobbers, in my opinion. So, anyways, on the Willer, I'm going to give my predictions, then we'll get yours. On the MJF and Willer Yuta match, uh, I'm picking MJF. Uh, Rush, I'm going to, even though I know that it probably won't happen, I'm going to pick him. And Jay Lethal, of course, one of my favorite wrestlers wrestling right now. And then, uh, of course, Chris Jericho is going to lay out uh, Daniel Garcia, even though it's a tag match. And then, uh, well, Luchasaurus doesn't say who he's fighting. So, uh, your prediction, sir. I will agree with you on the MJF Wheeler Utah outcome. I think they're strapping a rocket to MJF right now. So he's going to go over in this match. The Rush Hangman Adam Page match. I predict a Hangman Adam Page victory by disqualification. 
Um, Jay Lethal, Darby Allen. I'd have to go with Darby Allen in this match. And the Luchasaurus, uh, yeah, I guess he's just going to go over whoever he wrestles. <laughs> and the last one was... Uh, Tag match with uh, Garcia. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia over here. I'm going to say the pro wrestlers are going to win versus the sports entertainers. Though I do not think Le Champion will take the pinfall. Okay. Uh and uh, also, folks, don't forget, this Friday's episode, we will be giving our predictions for uh, the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, uh, which is going to be on Saturday uh, for the WWE. So let's move on to the SmackDown results. And uh, before I get into them, uh, boy, oh boy, people are gone, have, are still going wild uh, over the uh, White Rabbit. That's happening in the WWE. Donnie, I don't know if you know this yet, but uh, I put the White Rabbit in our title of our last episode uh, because we talked about it so much. And yep. that is the highest listened to episode. It broke our record uh, for the most downloads and listened to of all time. <laughs> That's how popular yeah. it is. Yeah. And I mean, thank you, fans. I mean, we, I mean, audience, we, 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 you know, we definitely appreciate it. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing the title really said. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there were some more clues on the White Rabbit. Um, I just don't see how uh, they could get away with making it anybody else but Bray Wyatt. Um, now, uh, if you call, there's a White Rabbit's uh, record company. And if you call them and uh, you say a certain thing, uh, they actually, and I don't know if they're trolling or if WWE paid them to do it or they just got sick of people calling them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Have you heard about that? That one I haven't. Tell, tell me more, though. Uh, they say uh, if you call them and you say something like to the effect of, um, what's that saying that, that keeps showing for the White Rabbit? The uh, who, who killed the world, right? Then they yeah. say, feed him more. Feed him <laughs> more. <laughs> and that's employee, that's employee at the record store. <laughs> so, I see what they did there. They tried to combine two, uh, two famous wrestlers' catchphrases. Yeah, because you have that idiot on YouTube going around saying that it's Ryback. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feed feed him more. <laughs> have you made the decision yet about Extreme Rules? I have not yet, but uh, it, it, it's looking more and more likely that I that I'm that I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. If you have that opportunity, I, something's going to happen there. I don't know if you if Bray Wyatt will physically be there, but they've already said in all the clues that they're going to tell who it is. So they they've got to do that. Uh, Triple H is not one to false advertise. Uh, so you're whoever's there, hopefully on television, we see it too. <laughs> but uh, who's ever there is definitely going to know who the white rabbit is. So, uh, so let's sure. move on to SmackDown. Um, uh, Drew. Oh, I think I lost you, Kentucky guy. 
Yeah, so uh, on SmackDown, uh, we had uh, Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano, who they're actually now calling the Panda Express. Uh, I don't care much for that name, but it looks like uh, that's what they were called when they were tag team partners and champions in Germany. Uh, they actually uh, defeated Austin Theory and Alpha Academy uh, via pinfall after McIntyre flattened Theory with a Claymore kick. Uh, the heroes were getting plenty of opportunity to show off to the Canadian fans in attendance. Uh, Owens had particularly uh, excited flurry of offense, including a big DDT, uh, Steinbreaker cannonball, corner swanton, and uh, following the match, uh, McIntyre took a strap out and whipped it across Theory's back, uh, shouting at the camera, no, no doubt, a message to cross ahead of their strap match at Extreme Rules. I am, uh, I'm kind of, and I'm not a McIntyre fan. If, if anybody knows me or even listen to one episode of this show, they know that. But I'm looking forward to this match, the strap match. I haven't seen a good strap match in a long, long time. I think uh, Dustin Rhodes, not Dusty, but Dustin Rhodes was the last uh, good strap match I've seen against uh, Quinn Marshall on AEW. So. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this match. I'm looking forward to Extreme Rules altogether, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to this match. Uh, your thoughts as we start off on SmackDown? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was kind of a foregone conclusion who was going to win this match. Um, you know, P- Panda Express. Uh, th- I'm with you on that name. I don't, I don't know where they came up with Panda Express, but it is what it is. Drew McIntyre and Johnny Gargano did used to team together on the independent circuit many years ago, so that's why they revived that name. But it didn't surprise me that they got the win in Canada because they're in Kevin Owens' home country and they wanted to send the crowd home happy. So I, I, I understand it. And I agree with you. I'm lo- really looking forward to the card overall at Extreme Rules, and I hope that we can get a good strap match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. It's got to be, it's got to be good. Uh, Karrion Cross, they have built him up so much uh, before the last pay-per-view. And uh, he really hasn't had a decent match, like against an actual competitor since his debut, his re-debut on the main roster. Uh, and it, it's got to, it's got to be, it's got to be everything that everybody's expecting. And, you know, with Triple H at the lead, I think it will be. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, then we had Solo and Sami Zayn, and they defeated, uh, as predicted, uh, Ricochet and Madcap Moss uh, via pinfall. Uh, Solo flattened Ricochet with a spinning Solo uh, Uranagi, which was devastating, absolutely devastating. And then, and I kind of gave this uh, a little teaser because a friend of mine would not leave me alone about it, uh, before we did our podcast on Saturday, um, Jay Uso confronted Zanes, telling him, honorary Us, that he sees through his deception and will make him pay if he jeopardizes the bloodline. Holy cow. We predicted we knew that there was an issue there. I didn't know it was that. So now they are building the narrative that, uh, Mr. Cage, you've actually been talking about from Sammy working inside to destroying the bloodline. So, uh, yeah, uh, your, uh, your thoughts actually may come to uh, 
tuition, my friend. So what do you think? They're definitely planting the seeds, like I said. And, uh, you know, Sami Zayn will probably continue to play up that he's not trying to cause any sort of animosity within the bloodline, but I think he's got ulterior motives. And then, uh, <laughs> and then also backstage, uh, by the way, did you notice, uh, I, I can't believe they don't actually talk about, it, but did you notice the, uh, uh, him and Kevin Owens kind of had a moment there on SmackDown. They didn't really say anything, but you could just tell, uh, they looked at each other. Did you catch that? Oh, I did. Absolutely. <laughs> and Sami Zayn's from Canada as well. So, you know, two Canadian boys. I don't know. I just. Uh, I'd much rather, and I like Johnny Gargano. I think he's all right. Um, I liked him better on NXT when, uh, when he had his own little faction with his wife. Uh, but, um, I would rather see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens as the tag team right now. So in my opinion, um, and then we have also backstage Max Dupree, uh, runs into maximum male models. And he informs the group that he was disappointed by their performance, but he did show, and he and he does appear later. We'll talk about it when we get to it. But uh, he does show some enthusiasm, saying that they held the longest pose and broke the record in Canada. And I'm thinking, who cares? <laughs> so if he can't win in the ring, you know, this was, and I was a big fan of this because uh, it was funny, but if he can't win in the ring and back it up, then, it, it, there's no sense in doing it. And then we have uh, your favorite tag team, Hit Row, uh, Top Dalla, uh, and they actually defeat uh, Los Lorosos, uh via pinfall after planning uh, uh, Carol O uh, with their heavy hitter tag team move, whatever that is. Uh, so they actually won that match. Uh, so I know I talked about two different things, but I didn't know if you wanted to even mention anything about the, mo uh, the models because uh, you're not a fan. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on these? The less screen time the models get, the better. The more screen time Max Dupree, a.k.a. L.A. Knight, gets, the better, because the man's a proven star. As far as Hit Row beating Los Lotharios, you know, look, I gave Hit Row a chance when they first came back, but i got to be honest with you, they're not really resonating with me in the last couple of weeks. And I kind of think this was a big mistake. I think Los Lotharios are way too talented of uh, wrestlers to be putting Hit Row over. And I kind of wish they had won the match instead. Welcome to the dark side, my friend. Finally, when Triple H first brought these guys back, that was the first thing I said. Of all the people you can bring back, you're going to bring back these jabronis, and you're going to bring them back with the one, without the one guy that actually made the faction worth anything. And that's Swerve, who's under contract with AEW. It doesn't make any sense then. It doesn't make any sense now. You're absolutely right. Uh, then we had Ronda Rousley. And, boy, this was a, 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 a good brawl. Uh, she d actually defeated uh, Nia via submission uh, after locking in the, uh, the grapevine uh, ankle uh, lock that she learned from uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, and then Morgan and her actually... I mean, I thought it was a pretty good brawl leading up to Extreme Rules. They fought all over the place and actually had to be pulled apart. Uh, and I thought uh, Morgan actually, I think Rousley actually made her look pretty good, a little bit tougher than what she is. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was all right. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, I just have a question, which is when Liv Morgan first won the SmackDown women's title, why didn't they book her like this when she first won the title? Instead, she was made to look completely inept, completely helpless, and I didn't buy her at all as the SmackDown women's champion. Now, all of a sudden, they, someone woke up one day and said, hmm, maybe we should book her to look like she actually stands a chance. I still think that ultimately, because of the type of match they're going to have, that Ronda Rousey is going to walk away as the new SmackDown Women's Champion. But I applaud them for finally making Liv Morgan at least put up a fight. Right, I agree. Ronda Rousey is going to win the title. Um, the thing is, is if they didn't do this, right, this last couple of weeks uh, with Morgan uh, putting uh, Lacey Evans through the table and, and what have you, um, nobody would be interested in this match whatsoever is is my opinion on that so they had to they pretty much had to do this because even her fans that were cheering her uh after she won the way she did against rousley in their in their rematch uh they were booing her so they had to do something and evidently they don't want to turn her completely heel so yeah uh but yeah it's about time you're you're absolutely right and then we had imperial and they came out and they beat down Sheamus, pretty much. Uh, beat him down before the match uh, this week uh, between Gunther for the Intercontinental title. Um, I think that match is going to be a great match. Um, I actually thought that match was supposed to have been uh, last Friday on SmackDown, but I was wrong. Uh, and I, I'm here for that match, uh, the rematch. Uh, I think that uh, Sheamus... Um, I don't think that they're ready to remove the belt from the ring general, but uh, he definitely puts on a fight, and he is definitely kind of going back to uh, AEW when we talked about the undefeated uh, female champion. Uh, he definitely presents himself as being able to beat Gunther. And when you have that, you get your fans' investment into the match, and I think, I think it's going to go over great. Your thoughts on that? Excited to see the rematch. It was a hard-hitting first bout between the two of them at Clash of the Castle, and I'm uh, I'm really glad that they're going to book them again to face each other. My only question is, what doesn't make any sense to me, is why I don't think the match has been booked for Extreme Rules, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, why have a pay-per-view match on SmackDown like that? I mean, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, the only thing I can figure on this is somehow somebody gets involved uh, and uh, they don't like how it ends and they make the match another rematch for Extreme Rules. That's the only thing I can see playing out in this scenario. And we've seen that before, right? Right. We've seen matches added to pay-per-views the day before. So that, that's only... Uh, that's the only way I think that makes sense of them having a match on SmackDown. Uh, and then WWE, of course, they paid tribute to Antonio uh, Inonaki. Uh, he, uh, he passed away. Uh, he was one of the first uh, Japanese wrestlers uh, entered into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, he was a martial arts pioneer. Uh, 
he was he was uh, he's done a lot in Japan. Uh, there would be no New Japan Pro Wrestling if it wasn't for this gentleman. Uh, if you guys want to go way back, like five months ago when I first started this program, there's an episode talking about him and uh, everything he did for Hulk Hogan's career at one time. Uh, and Hulk Hogan ended up uh, not doing him right like he did so many people wrong. Uh, Hulk Hogan, that is. This guy was a great man. Uh, then uh, Bailey defeated Shotzi. We've seen that. Uh, it was via pinfall, courtesy of the rose plant renewer. Uh, and she just she brought out a ladder, <laughs> sending a message to her opponent at uh, Extreme Rules. And it looked like she was going to crush uh, Shotzi uh, between the ladder. But, of course, Ponytail Girl runs out and makes the save. And then I'm going to comment. I'm going to say the last thing that happened, and then you can comment on them both. Um, then Dupree knocks the crap out of the maximum male models and accused them of having their focus in the wrong place. And then he says he can't do it anymore. And he's nixing the whole project. So are we going to get L.A. Knight? Or is he going to still use that stupid name Dupree and be a fighter himself? I don't know, but it's very, very interesting. I thought I seen it. We talked about it on the last episode. We both kind of seen that it was headed in this direction, but they weren't going to let the night end uh, with him just bad-mouthing them earlier and telling them they did a great job posing. They, he actually knocked the crap out of them. So your thoughts on all this, sir? Well, uh, obviously they wanted to make Bailey look strong going into the pay-per-view, and I think it's going to be a great match between her and Bianca Belair. I think we... We might see a new Raw Women's Champion, honestly, at Extreme Rules. And it's probably for the best for the time being, honestly. I think Bailey came back with a lot of momentum. And you want to keep that going with her and Damage Control. I um, mean, as far as the Maximum Male Model storyline goes, we all know I wasn't a fan of that. I thought it was a complete misuse of Max Dupree. And I do hope that he reverts to being L.A. Knight once again. He cuts a great promo, and he's a pretty good wrestler, and I think he could be utilized really well on SmackDown. Who's the guy that uh, that on NXT, he, uh, he all, his catchphrase is, uh, to the moon? To the moon. You're, you're my name guy. Yeah, he was North American title for a while, champion. Oh, um, is that Carmelo Hayes? Nope. Uh, the guy that challenged, he won it from. It, Carmelo Hayes beat him for it. He's a uh, Rod Roderick Strong. No, this is, uh, ah, I just can't think of it. And I'm sorry about that, folks. This was, uh, he actually ended up beating uh, L.A. Knight for the uh, million-dollar title. Oh, that would be uh, uh, Cameron Grimes. That's him. So some of the best matches I've seen L.A. LA Knight fight was against uh, Cameron Grimes. Uh, I think that feud uh, is probably the one of the best they've had in NXT in a long time. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, so uh, we do have a full Raw match card, uh, first time in a couple weeks. Uh, and it uh, it looks pretty good, actually. Uh, it looks like maybe they're getting back on track. So let's go over the card real quick. Uh, Seth Rollins. And uh, Matt Riddles, of course, they're going to face off. They're not going to fight, but they're going to face off. Probably have another 
uh, end up being a brawl again. I mean, that happens every week. But then you have Bailey and Bianca Belair contract signings. That's going to be interesting. Uh, we have Johnny Gargano. Uh, he's going to take on one-on-one versus Otis. Uh, Johnny's wife, Candice LeRae. Uh, she is actually going to fight the uh, the faction that I mentioned she should actually join on the last episode. Candice LeRae versus Dakota Kai. Uh, Bailey and uh, Io Sky is going to be outside the ring. Uh, Braun Strowman versus Chad Gable. You guys watched Raw last week. Uh, Braun actually called Chad on the phone and told him about this match. Uh, AJ Styles is teaming up with Rey Mysterio to take on Damian Priest and Finn Balor with uh, Dominic and uh, Rhea Ripley uh, by the ringside. Now that is, okay, yeah, so that's official matches right there. This right here is I found are going to be uh, are going to be uh, expected. It's not official, but there should be some to be expected. There should be some kind of back and forth between Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano, probably during his match with Otis, because Austin Theory we know has been hanging around Alpha Academy. Um, yeah, so, and also we'll probably see something with the Miz and this weird, uh, Dexter Loomis who have been uh, at odds, but not talking. Uh, I'm kind of thinking that, uh, if they're going to pull the trigger on this and have these two fight it out at extreme rules, they're going to have to do that tonight on raw, uh, because the Miz or Loomis is never on SmackDown. So you can only have so many superstars on a show. Uh, especially when you have several going back and forth, like Gargano and Owens and Drew McIntyre. So um, your thoughts on any of the matches I just mentioned? I just want to ask one question. When Braun Strowman called Chad Gable, did he did he ask him if he's going to get these hands? No, he didn't. He's not using that catchphrase this time, uh, which is odd. Uh, he's, not, he's doing everything in the ring like he used to, except uh, – he wears a Santa Claus pants, but yeah, he's not used that. Fortunately, Vince McMahon's not in charge of creative because I guarantee they would have given Braun Strowman a uh, a, a a facial hair dye that would have made it all white and given him a Christmas hat to go with the uh, red pants <laughs> and made him like Santa Strowman or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- this match will be, in my opinion, a Braun Strowman victory, an easy one. Which is a shame because Chad Gable is a great talent. Um, the Bailey, uh, you know, Bianca Belair contract signing. I- I'm fine with them having a segment. I think they should both have a chance to cut a promo on one another. I am getting a little sick of these monotonous contract signings. I feel like contract signing segments are things that should be happening for the big, big matches once or twice a year at most. Um, Johnny Gargano versus Otis. My prediction is Johnny, Johnny wrestling is going to go over in that match. Um, I think the, the tag team match will be interesting. Rey Mysterio, uh, teaming up with, uh, AJ Styles against judgment day, seeing as how it's a match on raw. I wouldn't be surprised if Mysterio and AJ Styles end up winning that match. This was a pay-per-view. I'd absolutely say Judgment Day is going over. 
And I think there was one more match you mentioned. You know what's odd is, uh, oh, Candice LeRae versus Dakota Kai. Yeah, that one. Um, that kind of came out of left field, to be perfectly honest. Um, again, I'm guessing because there's no titles at stake that we're going to see Candice LeRae win this match. But Dakota Kai is one half of the women's tag team champions. Should she really be losing a match? Probably not. I personally, you know, I said it last episode, I'm going to say it again. I think that Candice LeRae and Dakota uh, Kai would make an awesome tag team. They are similar, but yet they're different. And I I, I just, uh, I don't know. But here's the thing. The reason why I heard AJ is teaming up with Rey Mysterio uh, tonight is because Edge is hurt. But Edge has a I quit match against Finn Balor on Saturday. So really, how hurt could he be? Uh, Have you heard anything about that? This is the first I'm hearing that Edge is hurt. I don't know if he's just supposed to be selling an injury or or what the case is, honestly. Yeah, and I should have uh, I should have actually uh, kept that article that I was reading uh, when it explained that he was hurt. It didn't go into detail that I can remember off the top of my head about how hurt he was. But uh, from my understanding, Dave Meltzer is saying that's why AJ Styles is in this match. So I'm just wondering uh, if he takes his place at uh, Extreme Rules because AJ is not in a match for Extreme Rules yet. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it won't be the same because everybody's been uh, waiting to watch uh, Edge and Finn Balor go at it um, ever since they kicked him out of Judgment Day. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. But that is all I have, sir. I understand that you have something uh, very exciting that you want to bring up. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, it's either very exciting or it's something that people are just tired of hearing about at this point. So we all have been keeping tabs on what's been going on in AEW behind the scenes. The big all-out press screening or press scrum, as they called it, with CM Punk that eventually led to a locker room brawl also involving the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, which then led to the suspensions of CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks, which meant they had to relinquish their title belts in the process. The latest rumor that is on the internet is that AEW is ready to part ways with CM Punk. They are going to buy out the rest of his contract, and the two parties are going to go their separate ways. And in my personal opinion... This is a best-case scenario for AEW. Yeah, so I have heard that as well. Um, I've also heard that, uh, okay, so it looks like uh, on Monday night uh, last week, sorry, I I didn't mean to change subject, but I wanted to look this up because it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it does look like uh, Edge suffered a grade 2 MCL sprain in his knee. Uh, after he was attacked by the Judgment Day on Raw last week, so uh, I don't, I don't know, uh, but that's what uh, Dave Meltzer in the Bleacher Report saying. Uh, but on CM Punk, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that it needs to happen. Um, one of the things that I heard that's kind of concerning was that uh, I heard that Tony Khan, he actually knew this, that the uh, the interview that where CM Punk went off talking about 
everybody and their mother, uh, was planned. And Tony Khan knew that that was going to happen. And that's why he sat there like a little punk and didn't take up for any of his superstars. Um, have you heard anything like that? I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I haven't personally heard that, but I guess it would explain why he was just sitting there and not trying to cut him off while he was tearing a new one for half the roster. I mean, again, we've talked about how, how unprofessional it was. And I understand if you're a person who has to constantly listen to all sorts of rumors on the internet and you want to address it, but there's a time and place for it. And that media scrum was not the right place to do it. Punk could have aired his dirty laundry on in any other venue except for that. Yeah. And one of the bright things that I've heard uh, through the dirt sheets is uh, we will, uh, we will see the young bucks and Kenny Omega back on AEW television very soon uh so it should be interesting uh at the least to see what happens when they come back i know they have been radio silent radio silent on their youtube channel because i'm subscribed to it and i watch it every week (laughs) um so i don't know if uh uh if uh I don't know when they'll be back, but I did find out that it's going to be soon. And like I said, they haven't mentioned anything about this. So it looks like uh, the doctors have not made a ruling on Edge uh, as far as when it comes to extreme rules. But he is 48 years old, and he'll probably need some time off. If he does not take, uh, if he does wrestle in the match against Finn Balor, it will be a short-lived match, uh, which is interesting, it being a I quit match. I don't know how you can have anybody look good uh and i I don't know but uh anyways uh it looks like right now as of right now he's going to be in the match but he's going to have to take some time off after the match uh i look for something to like maybe judgment day attacks him before the match and the match never happens uh or something of that nature is the only thing i can think of but as of right now uh just so the audience listening um you know, doesn't get the wrong idea. Right now, as of right now, he is scheduled still to fight uh, Finn Balor Saturday. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. All right. So uh, that is everything that we do have. We want to thank you all for listening uh, to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. We will be back Friday with our Extreme Rules predictions. Once again, you've been listening to. the Kentucky guy, and Donnie Cage. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, God bless, and God bless America. Thank you.